0: All right, welcome into the UpSpeed Podcast. Tyler Head, Dalton Molinax with you as always, recapping a day late, the Michigan Cup Series race and out of everything I look for in a NASCAR Cup Series race, I think Michigan checked all the boxes. I was thoroughly entertained from beginning to end over the course of two days. It was one of those races like I didn't want to leave the room because I was afraid I was going to miss something. Like it was that compelling all the way down to the very end when you have this great battle between Chris Buescher and Martin Trex Jr. Trex Jr. obviously had the fastest car the entire day. But, uh, you know, Chris Buescher didn't put a wheel out of place for those final 30 laps. And, you know, uh, this wasn't a case of, oh, we got him on a light restart or fuel mileage. No, he earned that win by being perfect lap after lap after lap
1: you know it's number one the race was phenomenal i i had to been busy with work so i had to watch it on a couple of days delay um and i i, I you do better than me by staying off of social media um but all i saw was people talking about like oh my gosh this was such a good race such a good race and you know sometimes you, you, i think people just want to make it a good race but sure. this was an exceptional race like you said it checked like all the boxes you wanted um And then the fact that Chris Busher goes back-to-back in two convincing wins. Yeah. It's just, it's, I'll start with this. It is incredible what Brad Keselowski has done at RFK
0: in a short period of time. Yeah, and I go back to what we opened last week's show with where I said, you know, Let's go back two years, 2021. If I told you Chris Busher won a race straight up, not on a crazy restart or fuel mileage or anything like that, you'd probably be pretty surprised. But given what those two guys have been able to do in the past year and a half, it shouldn't come as a surprise that they won at Richmond last week. A little surprising in Michigan, just given how bad Fords have been at the high-speed racetracks this season. You know, obviously, you know, Joe Logano won at, um, uh, Atlanta, that's super speedway. Ryan Blaney won at uh, Charlotte for the 600. But outside of that, it's been really the Ford's been really off for the most part. I mean, you'll get a top 10 here and there, but as far as competing for the win or competing for the lead, but the course of the race, they've been pretty non existent. So I was fully expecting, I'm like, okay, well, you know, he's out there in front and then Trek's gonna run him down and he'll drive back a few spots. But again, he did not put a wheel out of place for those entire final 30 laps and again, earned the win at a You know, Roush Fenway Racing used to be so known at Michigan because it was a horsepower track where you needed to bring the best engines to compete for the win. And you know, Greg Biffle, Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth—they were regular contenders anytime you went there. For the past decade, that hasn't been the case. So it's kind of cool to see that company get back to where they used to be at a track they used to dominate at.
1: Yeah, I I mean, and it's it's, just—it's—it's really cool, like you said, what they're doing and. And how they're doing it, I I thought Truex had the car to beat. I, I mean, yeah. I think as well. And and then like you know, the longer you went in the final stage, you're like, okay, well maybe Busher has something here. Um, Even Keselowski himself, you know, yeah, with the top with the top five, you know. So it's like it, it's it's just it was a it I it, it was a top three race of this year, yeah, for sure. It's one of the better Mich- Michigan races I've seen in a long time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Michigan, you know had a propensity to get really strung out. And one thing that it had going for it for a while was the fact that it was multi-groove. And if you go back and watch a Michigan race from the mid 2000s, they were running from the bottom to the top and it was really good. They repaved it in 2012 and it became more of a single groove racetrack. It's still close to single groove. You certainly can't run from the bottom to the top like they used to, but it's opened up a little bit. I know they've experimented with some PJ one and stuff. And there was certainly some of that on the track this past weekend, but you definitely saw multiple lanes being used. And with what this next gen car is, with the ability to draft and slingshot and stuff like that, Michigan was the perfect track for it because you had guys making moves, going three and four wide down the straightaways and, you know, really being able to race throughout the field. Bunch Chuck's junior on the, uh, was it stage two, he went from 16th to first and only a handful of laps. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty clear. You can pass guys here. So um, again, we just keep having the same conversation. These bigger, faster tracks are the bread and butter of what this next gen car is good at.
1: Talking about Truex's restart. I don't know if you saw the clip on Twitter of his inboard or his on
0: car. It's like, they were all going 20 miles an hour slower. It was like, it was like something you'd do at a video game, right? You like know, it's a rookie mode. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's just like, I, you know it was impressive the run he had but like you know like you said like um you know with the type of type of car we have now fits perfectly
0: with a yeah. Michigan
1: yeah uh, you know and it did it did on Sunday and into Monday as well
0: yeah and i you know michigan holds a special place for me now because so i talked about it, it's the fastest track on the circuit now you know we i mean we got saw got hit like 209 going into turn number 1 And what have we been clamoring for for a long time? Make these cars go faster. Well, Michigan's a track where they can do that. And and when you look at, you know, obviously Auto Club Speedway getting turned into a short track, supposedly, hopefully that still happens. But this is truly going to be a unique track going forward because it's going to be one of a kind. There's no going to be sister comparison to it. It's going to be the fastest track and hopefully continue to put on great racing like this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely uh chris busher again winning the second race in a, his second race in a row funny enough just like kevin harvick did last year he won michigan and, and richmond back to back though i think they were flipped on the schedule last year mm-hmm. but now kind of looking at this is it crazy to think that chris busher could possibly be in like the round of eight in the playoffs this year i
1: was hoping this is where you were going you yeah. know i mean i was at the race last year bristol when he won yeah you know the night race um and this is the thing too like Obviously, he's a he's a talented driver. He's Xfinity Series champion. He's the thing now that, that and and this goes back to what Brad's done at RFK since joining over, what he's done in the car outside of the car, bringing new people in. But it's just like, I feel like as an organization, almost every week they have a chance to win. Yes, you know, and like you can't say that for every car. Like if you're ranking the Fords right now, you know Penske, you'll put them at the top. Okay. I mean, would you though? Right now, I I would. I still would.
0: Okay. But
1: RFK is no slouch at number two, and they are they are leaps and bounds above
0: SHR. And we we've talked about this last week. RFK is so consistent yeah. when. Chris Buescher is running fifth. Brett Kozlowski is probably running sixth or seventh. Like these cars stay close together. Now, on the flip side of things, when one car's having a bad day, the other one's usually having a bad day too. But when they're both, when one of them's on, they're both on. And again, we saw that this past weekend at um, you know Michigan, and, and again, kind of proving that they can go out there and win at these high speed racetracks. Makes them both, uh, both very dangerous. I know we're talking about Chris Buescher going far, but Brad Keselowski is, is so consistent and is so such a veteran and so savvy at these pressure situations. You know, I'm assuming he's going to get a win sooner rather than later. But even if he doesn't, I would not be shocked at all if he's flirting with the round of eight himself. He obviously doesn't have the playoff points to fall back on, but you know, just his experience, I think, will go a long way for him.
1: Well, and I, I agree completely with you. You
0: know, you said it about Bush or you said it about
1: Brad. It would not surprise me at all if both of those guys got into the round of eight. You're looking at a, you're looking at a quarter of the championship contenders being from RFK. If you'd have told me that six months ago, I'd have said you have been crazy. One of the things that Brad talked about as his organization as a whole and, and kind of the sport too is like as they figure out this car more, there's less, you know, highs and lows. You know, sure. you don't ride the wave as much, so to speak. And I think that if you can figure out that consistency, yeah, it, obviously some teams with but with more resources have have done that. But yeah. find that consistency, you know. If but you also implement like race winning speed, like they've shown to do, right. I think you can be deadly.
0: Well, and I think the timing of him going over to take over ownership of this team, partial ownership was perfect, given the fact that we were going to a new car and everybody was starting out with a clean slate. Now, there was a lot of things that needed to be fixed at RFK from, you know, an internal standpoint that probably did delay their success a little bit. But now they got everything moving in the right direction there. Brad Kozlowski, obviously very, very smart when it comes to all the aspects of the car. Like, I think we all expected them to get to this point at some point in the future. I don't know if we expected it to happen this fast, though. Right. So, um, but again, sets up Bush for pretty well. Brad Kozlowski sitting very pretty as far as points above the cut line goes. So nothing to worry about there. Uh, speaking of the cut line, things are getting very interesting as we are now down to just three races before the playoffs. Indy road course this weekend, Watkins Glen next weekend, and of course, Daytona in the regular season finale currently just above the cut line, but not. Feeling super safe. Bubba Wallace at 58 points ahead. Ty Gibbs at plus three. Then just below the cut line, Michael McDowell, Daniel Suarez, both at three and five points behind, respectively. A.J. Elmendinger at 24 behind. And I feel like that's kind of where the extent of pointing your way in cuts off, because after that, Bowman, Cendric, Elliott are all 40-plus points behind. And with just three races to go, I don't think you can make up that big of a gap.
1: No, I don't either.
0: Um, I tell you,
1: though. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good cars there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. And you know, how, how crazy would it be to have RFK with the same amount of cars in the playoffs as Hendrick? You know, I it's funny you
1: say that because my dad was asking me a few weeks ago about him because he came to visit the weather channel and, yep. uh, You know, just talking, he was like, you know, do you think he had, because he's not winning. I mean, he won the Daytona 500. Sure. You know, but a lot of times he doesn't finish anywhere near his teammates. And, you know, is he a guy that could potentially be on the chopping block here in the next year or so?
0: Given his dad's role in the company, I would lean towards no. Um, I think he's kind of a classic example. And I, I was reading something, it was either today or yesterday, of somebody talking about, You know, the difference now when guys make the jump from Xfinity up to the Cup Series, given the lack of Cup drivers on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, you still have Kyle Busch that comes down and runs. And, you know, the Hendrick guys come down and run races here and there. But it's not the same as it was a decade ago, where literally every week you're dealing with Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano. And, you know, when a guy like Chase Elliott goes out and wins two races in his rookie year in the Xfinity Series, it really proves a point. And now, yeah, sure. Chase Briscoe and, you know, um, Austin Centric can go out there and have dominant seasons, either win their championship or come close to winning the championship, but it's very clear there's such a leap between the Xfinity series and the cup series now, because we don't have that same gauge of talent that we once did with cup guys in the field every single week. And I think Austin Centric is kind of a shining example of that because even, you know, we expected, okay, well, maybe he's not going to go out there and be consistent as consistent on the mile and a half, but surely he's going to win a road course race at least once every single year. Right. He's not been in contention for any of these things in the year uh, and a half that he's been full time in the Cup Series. Like, that's the most surprising part to me. You know, I you would like to think, oh, well, maybe you can go out there and win the Indy Road Course or Watkins Glen in two weeks. He hasn't shown me up I- anything up to this point that tells me that that's going to happen. Nope. So I don't know what to think. I mean, I think he'll get a very long leash again, given the fact that his dad is president of the company and the sponsors seem to like him and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we've seen it take a while for guys to really find their root ru- uh, rhythm and, and groove. And certainly Ford's been off this season, but yeah, I've been definitely been underwhelmed with what uh, he's done at the cup series level so far. Yeah. agreed. I mentioned chase Elliott a moment ago. Looked like he had a fast car on Sunday. Didn't last too long into the race, ends up crashing out. And as I mentioned, he is now uh, 55 points below the cut line conversation with him pointing his way in is completely out the window he's in win or nothing mode these next three weeks, which I kind of feel like they've been in that mode for a while now anyway. So I don't think that mindset changes, but the pressure of, okay, you actually don't have anything you can fall back on now uh, makes that pressure even more intense.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is I I think he's, even you know, Denny Hamlin on his podcast tried to say he could point his way in and, you know, there was a chance, blah, blah, blah. But it was one of those, Everything like Chase would say and Alan Gustafson would say was like, "Yeah, we got to win. You know, we're just we need to win." And yeah. they're gonna have shots at it. You know, three three good shots at it too. You know, he we talked about it last week how he hasn't won on a road course this next gen car. Yep, still, road course race we know will have speed at Daytona, so we can see what happens there.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's gonna be very interesting if neither him nor Bowman get a win over these next two weeks going into Daytona the objective for Hendrick Motorsports is get, to get at least one of those guys in the playoffs now how they play that with either him or Bowman I don't know but I would guarantee you that either Byron or uh Kyle Larson their job on that night is going to be to push whatever teammate you can and try and get them in the playoffs yep which is funny because if I'm Byron
1: who I think you could, would consider a championship contender at this point in time Definitely. why would I why would I want Chase Elliott in the playoffs team motors no, I know team orders. I, I get
0: it. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's just, it's funny. Like, um, here's the thing for me. If Chase makes the playoffs, let's say he does win a race in these next three weeks and makes it in. He's going to have absolutely no playoff points to fall back on. And unless he just goes out there and wins half the playoff races, which up to this point, he's led like what? He's led 38 laps this season. He has not shown us that ability to go out there and win races on a consistent basis. Even if he makes the playoffs, I'd be very surprised if he makes it to the round of eight because he has no mulligans to fall back on. Look at him last year. He had an amazing regular season, wins the regular season championship, just has a buttload of playoff points. And outside of winning at Talladega, was pretty underwhelming in the playoffs. And if he matches that this year, even if he doesn't make the playoffs, He's not gonna last very long.
1: I've seen crazy things happen though.
0: That's you know, true. That's, I mean, you never catch know. Light,
1: catch lightning in a bottle and and ride that, ride that all the way till you get to to Phoenix in November.
0: But it's kind of one of those things, and we've seen this with plenty of guys, when they come back from an injury, they're just not quite the same for a little while. And I think that's been the case with Chase Elliott. We obviously know he's in fast cars because his teammates have gone out there and won six races this year between Byron and Larson, but he just hasn't shown what we expect him to be on a consistent basis. And, you know, it may take a little bit of time to, to get back into that rhythm. But as of right now, I just, I don't have the confidence that he can go out there and do it. Yeah,
1: I agree. Okay. I, I think it's a long shot. I think it's a long shot to win these next three weeks.
0: Definitely. Well, we'll talk about this at the, end of the show, but you got a lot of, road ringers coming in this weekend and a few next weekend as well yeah so definitely not going to be easy um Xfinity series also in action this past weekend John Hunter Nemechek despite getting caught up in a little bit of a situation with his teammates earlier on the race able to hold on and pick up another victory on absolute fire right now definitely the championship favorite um most likely positioning himself for a cup series ride next year already but um you know it's kind of one of those things that even when they're not at their best they still find a way to win
1: yep that that that's what that that's what the whole jgr organization does in the xfinity series i think in the cup series too but especially in the xfinity series they
0: even when they're quote-unquote down they're, they're still really really good and uh justin allgaier once again shoots himself in the foot when he had a car very capable of winning the race
1: water is wet
0: that seems to be the case for JRM this entire season. Outside of his win at Charlotte, you look at Josh Berry at Pocono, had a winning car. Obviously, Justin uh, J- uh, Justin Allgaard this past weekend. What was it? Daytona. Was it all three of them, like one, two, three at the end of the race, and they still managed to lose? Like yep. it's just that kind of year for them.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you just unlucky.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Um, before we get into the picks for this weekend, a couple of news nuggets. One of the biggest stories of this weekend at Michigan was what went down with Noah Gregson. Uh came out Saturday morning just for practice. That the he had been found to have liked an insensitive tweet from a couple of months ago. I believe it happened in May. Um, team suspended him. NASCAR indefinitely suspended him. And it's been a back and forth affair over these past couple of days. Latest news coming out today that Noah Gregson has asked for his release from Legacy Motor Club, will not be back in the 42 car for the rest of the season. Uh, we don't have a timetable for when NASCAR is going to reinstate him, but it, it's been a pretty tumultuous year for him in general, and this is just the unfortunate cap on all of it, it seems.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, the, the performance in his rookie season hasn't been there, number one. And then, you know, whether Legacy was looking to find it out for him or not, that this was served up to him on a platter. And, you know, he's got to take responsibility for his own actions, learn from it, hopefully be better because of it, you know, move on. And, and, you know, he'll still be involved with NASCAR. I've seen some hot takes where, you know, he should never be able to drive a car again. That's not going to happen. You know, he needs to pay his dues, pay his time. And um, again, learn from, learn from it, move
0: on. And I'll say this and look, we were in the same situation a couple of years ago with Kyle Larson And he's obviously found his way back to a great spot. And he's a championship contender on a year-in, year-out basis. Do I think Noah Gregson was meaning anything malicious with what he did? Probably not. But, and I talked about this before we started recording, you and I both work for big major companies. We've all signed those agreements. When we got hired by them, like, hey, what you do on social media is a reflection on us. And, you know, anything that can be deemed offensive will come back to bite you. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And again, he may have just been scrolling through liking a bunch of stuff and just happened to like that. But again, it reflects poorly on himself and the organization and all the sponsors that they represent. And, and yes, there has been a lot of rumors about LMC wanting him out at the end of the season because they're switched Toyota and probably bringing in a guy like John Hernimachek But, you know, still, he, he would have had to have face some kind of punishment no matter what kind of relationship he had with this team. Now, again, does this mean his career should be over? Absolutely not. And I don't think it will be. I think he will have the opportunity to bounce back. He's probably not going to be driving anything for the rest of 2023, given how close we are to the end of the season. But I would expect him to be back, maybe not in the cup series, but at least in like an Xfinity ride, a decent one at that by the time next season rolls around. Yeah, I agree. So just an unfortunate situation all around. And like you said, hopefully he learns from it and uh, it it comes out better on the other side. A piece of silly season news that Uh on a normal year probably wouldn't be talked about as much. But when you look at all the rides that potentially open for 2024, this one actually answers a few questions because both Michael McDowell and Todd Gilland will return to Front Row Motorsports next season. Now, Michael McDowell was heavily rumored to potentially take over the 10 car for Eric Almirola if he decided to retire at the end of the season, which we don't have an official confirmation on. So that's not going to happen. Also, Front Row Motorsports has released or not released. They've allowed Zane Smith the ability to seek other opportunities for next season. They thought about bringing in a third car full time. That wasn't going to be able to happen. So now... Potentially, he could go take that seat over at Stuart Haas Racing if, indeed, Eric Amarola does end up retiring. So a couple of a couple of questions potentially getting answered here. I tell you, letting Zane Smith go would be a colossal mistake, I think.
1: You know, it, it's it's part of the business. I get it. Um, but there's a reason. And Todd, I'll give it to him. Todd Gilliland has had a better season this year,
0: for I sure. Todd Gilliland has impressed me a lot. He's been for what that equipment is. And look, Michael McTowell's got the shot at making the playoffs on points. Like they've definitely stepped up their game. Something about these cars really fits the way Todd Gillen drives. And he's been very consistent and done a really good job. So he definitely deserves to have another opportunity.
1: Exactly. And that's, you know, just one of those that it kind of comes at Zane's expense and, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I I mean, the way, I mean, if you're reading between the lines, it seems like he's not going to be back with them next year. Yeah. Why place that doesn't think you're ready for cup when you think you are.
0: Yeah. And look, he doesn't have anything else to prove in the truck series, whether he wins the championship again this year or not, he's definitely ready to move up. Now there doesn't really seem to be any options on the table as far as the Ford camp goes for the Xfinity series. So that's why people kind of point the fingers at the, um, you know, 10 car and cup. And for those that don't remember, he was, heavily rumored to take over the one car for kurt bush after he left ganassi a couple years ago and of course track house racing ended up buying out ganassi so that fell to the wayside but this is a guy that people have thought has been ready for cup for a while now
1: yeah yeah it'd be it'd be interesting to see what happens i mean i think you know of, of all the guys out there i think he's number one hottest prospect along with like a john hunter Nemechek. you know yeah. and jack has got the Toyota backing kind of seems to he'll be in that direction heading into next year. But Zane's a guy that, you know, I think a lot of teams would love to
0: have my concern. If that does end up being the case of him taking over the 10 car is you are having an entire team in Stewart Haas racing with, and Ryan priest has been around for a few years, but not in top equipment with all relatively young guy or newly experienced guys in top equipment in the cup series. And given the struggles that Stuart Haas Racing's had this year, I don't know how well that bowls over for them in 2024. Agreed. Yeah. It could it be, it could be rougher than it already is. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Chase Briscoe's getting passed by BJ McLeod every other week. Like that's just unacceptable. Not good. All right. We move on to the Indy road course and IRP. This weekend as the truck series begins their playoffs. Um, hopefully for the last time in the Indy road course, do you have a tire test coming up on Monday on the oval? They're going to experiment with the new rules package that they tried at Richmond a couple weeks ago to see if, um, you know, see if there's potential there, but I just, you know, I was fine with experimenting with the road course. It's lost its luster, you know? Yeah. We're racing at in Indianapolis, but it's not the Brickyard 400. And I think, that's felt by a lot of people within the industry, in the garage area, and I have got my fingers crossed for are back on the Oval next year.
1: We should be, you know, we should be if we're not. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens this weekend. I mean, you know, like you alluded to, we've got a bunch of, you know, quote unquote outsiders coming in that are going to try to tame the road course and see
0: what happens. We'll start off the truck series on Friday night. Interesting note, one of those ringers, Shane Van Gisbergen, is actually going to race the truck series race tomorrow night. His first experience on an asphalt oval, Um, is we're anticipating him potentially coming to cup full-time next year. Um, Now, he obviously showed everybody what he was capable of on a street course, but if I had to give you a guess for where he's going to finish tomorrow night, where would you put him?
1: I would say outside the top 10.
0: I was going to say like 20th, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I that and look, he may go win the thing tomorrow night, but um, I I think it's just it's a huge learning curve, and obviously he he opened some eyes at Chicago, and and that's all fine and dandy,
0: but um, we'll see what happens. If he wins tomorrow night, there's going to be a list. There's going to be a line of owners with a blank check, like put whatever number you want on this and come drive for my team next year.
1: Here's a hot take. Put him in the forty eight. All right, we can move on for picks.
0: <laughs> oh, the ever-evolving the, the ever, the ever uh, evolving hatred of Alex Bowman. It is what it is. But the good news is
1: you actually uh, picked John Hunter Niemicek to win. I
0: did. I got I got a few points ahead. Where are we standing now?
1: Up to 11 to 7. Okay, um, it,
0: it's still tight. As we head into the weekend. So I'm going
1: to start things off the truck pick. Um, I'm going to go with Zane Smith. We just talked about him, a lot going on with him. But you want to start the playoffs on the right foot no better way
0: to do that than to win this weekend. So that luck St. Smith in the next round. I'm also going to go with a playoff driver riding away of momentum himself and somebody that I expect. We're probably going to hear some cut news about him before too long. And that's Carson Hosovar. Yeah. XFINITY series, Indy road course. Obviously Cole Custer's won a couple of these events this year. Um, just had Shane or uh, Sam Mayer win a couple of weeks ago at road America. Who you got? I'm
1: actually going to double up here. I'm going to go with Sam Mayer again. I, you know, okay. we got it when he won that sometimes when you win, you know, the it can just kind of open up and and, and really get things going. We'll see if it happens, but I'm going to go with Sam Mayer.
0: Somebody that's really underrated for their ability on road courses is Austin Hill. He won on uh, the road, the truck series road course race at Daytona in the truck series. Um, he's, I've seen good equipment with RCR. I'm going to go with Austin Hill. All right. Finally, the Cup Series this weekend, I believe a total of seven outsiders coming in, including Shane Van his and his um, uh, supercars rival, Brody Kostecki, among others. Like, there's a pretty stacked field of, of ringers coming in here to uh, make the Cup drivers look silly again. Will one of them be able to do it?
1: You know, it, maybe. Okay, it's kind of a, it's a loaded question because, you know, and it, it, it's funny listening to some people talk about it. Some people is in the driver's basically be like, Oh, they're 100% going to come in here and just make, I think it was Kyle Bush said, make a fool out of all of us. Yeah. Okay. But then like Corey LaJoy, I was listening to his podcast this week and he was basically saying, you know, there's a difference between a street course and a road course. Yep. Um, And this is not good. To, I haven't looked at the forecast for Indy this weekend. It's not, a, probably not going to be in the rain, mm-hmm. you know, so there's a lot of things going for the cup guys. So, um, I'm going to go a little bit off script here a little bit, but I'm going to go with um, Kyle
0: Larson. Okay. Uh, I am going to dip into the ringer pool here. I'm going to go with somebody that's been talked about a lot this week for his speed in testing, driving a 2311 car, very fast to the road courses. I'm going to go with Komoy Kobayashi. Okay. Why not?
1: It should. I'll say this. As much as I want us to be on the Oval, with all these new guys coming over, it should be fun to watch.
0: Absolutely. And I think even if you put it back on the oval, I think that would still attract a lot of these international guys to like, hey, I can go run the Indy Oval.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I think too, like that's what's so appealing about NASCAR. It excites me that these guys want to come here and do Absolutely. this. Absolutely, It's great. But like, like I'm waiting for the day that Fernando Alonso says, you know what? I want to come and try that.
0: I I would not be surprised. I'm I'm holding out hope.
1: Give me Verstappen, Newgard, you name it. Like I listen, I let's try it.
0: Yeah, why not? All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Upspeed Podcast. Back next week to break all break down all things Indy Road Course and look ahead to Watkins Glen. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.